welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me as usual. And Leland, let's go ahead and just start by talking about the high school sports season. It's basketball season is wrapping up. We're into the final week of the regular season already. And uh, so far, so good. So hopefully the last week goes that way as well. But we have got another huge week after the way this week played out. I said draft wasn't going to beat Wilson again. So naturally, they beat Wilson again. And Wilson could have been tied this week, except for the fact that Fort Defiance loses to Stanton in the rematch of that game. So Stanton pulls even with Fort Defiance. Both of those teams are still a game back of Wilson, but both of those teams play Wilson this coming week, meaning we could have a two- or three-way, well, two-way tie for the Shenandoah District. Yeah, and that's just assuming... You know, not there's not another surprise out there. That's what's been great about the Shenandoah District this season is that they beat up on each other. And I think we could see that coming. I thought we we thought, you know, Wilson's probably going to be near the top. But then it was like it could be everybody after that. And we, we had probably four defines maybe in that bottom part. But they, they're up there. They're near the top. So it's been a lot of fun watching these teams beat up on each other. Stuart Strauss, probably that team we didn't expect not to be as good. Um, and then they're the ones knocking Wilson off twice this year and giving mm-hmm. them both their losses. So like, it's just been fun to watch all season. I think the short season under the microscope has probably added to that drama a little bit. So it's been really fun to watch. I'm really looking forward. I, I mean, I hope it just sets up for Friday night, uh, Wilson and Fort, um, play in on, on Friday night. I hope it just sets that up for like winner take all kind of situation or, or some version of that or, or playing for their playoff lives. I mean, that that's what you want. You, you know, this year where not as many teams make the playoffs and, and less teams get to go. And we'll talk more about that for the upcoming seasons, especially with football. It's just going to be fun week to see what plays out here and see who gets to go basically between Fort and Wilson, who gets to go play in that region three C. Yeah. It's going to be a big game because that game Friday could potentially Fort needs that game potentially to force a play in game for the region three C tournament. If Wilson wins that game, and they beat Stanton. Wilson is the Shenandoah District champion. They go to the region tournament. End of discussion. So you take business, take care of business between now and then too. But yeah, right. Um, so for Fort, they've got a they've got to win uh, both games uh, this week to to kind of have a chance at that region tournament, which is exciting uh, and could potentially set up some some big matchups there. I, I know Wilson again plays Stanton. Fort plays Draft. Can't sleep on Draft as they've shown you already. But then I mean Fort Wilson. Uh, I'll be there calling that game. So I'm looking forward to that game. And uh, Stanton will have Buffalo Gap. And, of course, I mean, if you're Stanton, if you're Stanton, that was the best game I've seen Stanton play. I felt like that was, and watching some of the old NFHS games, yes, that looked like the Stanton that, okay, this is what Stanton is supposed to be in this area, just the better team. They they did to draft what draft has done to teams for years before. They pressed them to death. They made shots. And they dared draft to beat the press and make a shot, and draft couldn't do it. So more times than not. Um, but for Stanton, if they beat Wilson, um, as you said, teams have been beating up on each other in the district. That that last game at Gap, you can't slip up. Nope. So I, I'm very interested to see what happens there, and uh, and to see if Wilson or Ford, if those are the two teams. Like I would predict, I, I would predict 
Um, and of course, Wilson might not like this because it got him into trouble this <laughs> last week. But I would predict Wilson to beat Stanton, setting up a kind of end it now Friday or lose. And then you have to play Fort again, I would guess, at a neutral floor um, to see who goes to the region tournament, which would be just crazy and then on the I 2b think, side i think if you're standing i, I don't have to know put that where to game together really quick though yes too, they would. would be the weird part about it too and i don't know i don't know where in the seating that stanton or buffalo gap look to be but we talked about this last week stanton is now playing to a point where i could see them in an eight-team field getting out of the first round i wasn't sure if anyone in class two would get out of the first round uh, before last week, but now I've seen something from Stanton that makes me think, okay, the way they're playing and they're starting to improve game by game, that gives me a little more hope for the future there at yeah. Stanton. Yeah, and obviously looking at seating there and gap and and draft, you don't hope as much for, but uh, get in there and play. Um, draft not playing that crazy style anymore definitely like makes me not. You know, every other year, these last couple of years, draft gets into a tournament. I'm like, hey, you never know what they're going to do. And and some years they really did really showed you that. You don't think that as much now because they're not throwing everybody off. Well, going up against <laughs> East Rock, I don't know if it would matter. I mean, they yeah, played yeah, East Rock yeah, last East year and didn't beat them. Yeah. Matter. Um, then you look at Riverheads, um, and this is kind of for the guys and the girls uh, situation. But looking at the guys right now, I mean, they're sitting at number one in Region 1B. And, I mean, they're, what, fifth in the district and – uh number one in region one B. So it, it just, it shows the PowerPoints, what they can do for you when you're playing these good teams and you do pick up some victories. I mean, Riverheads has had some big wins. They just beat Fort last week. They beat Stanton uh, earlier this season. So those, those bigger wins are really helping them. It doesn't help these other losses, but they're sitting in a good spot in that region. So yeah, they're going to have the, the nicest road in the postseason because of where they're sitting. And they're going to have to take care of business then. Um, it doesn't set them up for states. It just gives them, you know, a home game or two with 25 fans or whatever it's going to be. Um, so that's that's how the boys are looking. At some of those lower teams, you're just playing for seeding. You know, you're looking at draft gap, riverheads, or drafting gap, really. You're just playing for seeding 2B this week as much and trying to knock off one of those upper teams. So Yeah. On the girls' side, though, I mean, Leland, I, I want to go to – uh, yeah, Wilson's got it. And for them, I mean, a perfect district season if they close out yeah. with with two wins here, which, I mean, they're playing Stanton, who's having a down year, and then, again, Fort, who is the, the team that's right there closest to him. But if they beat Stanton, they've already taken care of it. So Yeah, they'll have clinched. But I'm saying if, if they go undefeated in the district, my, my concern would then, again, be when you're looking at the region as a whole – uh, at three C, that's a tough. That's still a tough task, and the You're question becomes: CA, the number one team out of the Valley District, mm-hmm. uh, Spotswood, the number two team out of the Valley District, uh, Broadway, the number three team out of the Valley District. All three of those teams have won state championships. Yeah, exactly. Recent, recent years, I, I guess TA. I'm pausing on. I know Spotswood and Broadway have TA. I'm hesitating, but all are very good. So they'd have to be ready to go. And then, and then for class two, you know, with Gap, Stanton, and Draft, I mean. That Bull Run District is a is a beast in itself with Larray and and then you have Madison County as well in that region that's that would be a tough out in Strasburg. You're right. Yep. Yeah, it, it's all tough. But then again, we get down to Riverheads and One B. They're sitting at number two in uh, the district, and that win they had last week against Fort Defiance was really big. And and congrats to the coach there. Uh, uh, he came from the Fort Defiance. He was assistant coach at Fort Defiance. Came down to Riverheads, coach of the varsity. Now he goes back and beats Fort 
at a time when Fort really wanted that win, really needed that win to kind of stay in that district hunt. So that was a nice win for Riverheads there. Um, quick shout out because I'm biased as can be that JV team at Riverheads only, I think only has one loss. So the, the future's bright and red there. That's there's my biasness coming out. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the Valley district side, they are having a district tournament. That's this week. And Waynesboro swept tonight against Rockbridge. So Waynesboro boys and girls beat Rockbridge County in the openers. So they will go on to play uh, in advance in the Valley District tournaments. So that means the boys go play. I have it written down here. The boys get to go play at uh, number one Spotswood. (laughs) And then the girls get to go play at number one TA. Well, on Wednesday, it was fun. Um, But I'm guessing that. (laughs) And this is where, you know, we talked about they didn't want to play these teams in the regular season because of the mask rules that I I mean, they'll have to now. I mean, that didn't I know that in the region and VHSL, they were saying that might be flexible, but not I would imagine not in the district tournament. I I guess I hadn't heard directly. I was assuming they just have to wear the mask. I, I don't mean I guess I also look at the point of view. I just would have worn mask the whole time and kept your schedule and played a bunch of games and not had to fit them in like this. But. But congrats to Waynesboro hey, Boys won. and Girls. Yes. Congrats to Waynesboro Boys and Girls on winning and advancing into the district tournament, um, even if you do have to play the top seeds. Um, Leland, let's go ahead now and look uh, at the wrestling for this week, and uh, I'll let you handle the wrestling. I, I like this week in wrestling because it's a, it's a lot of the local teams playing. There's a duel at Waynesboro between Gap and Waynesboro and then a try with Riverheads, Fort, and Wilson. I really like that matchup there. Fort traditionally has really good wrestling. Wilson and Riverhead's obviously the best in the area recently. Uh, these last couple of years fighting for that district crown. Riverhead's advancing deep in the state. Wilson doing what they can do. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to see what wins come out of that. Um, I think those guys that win in that try, those are the guys to kind of look at for possible state title runs individually. Um, the team stuff we have to see. I mean, Riverhead's is up against the wall down there. So is Wilson. So um, you just have to look at that. But I think a really interesting week before they head into regions with all local stuff, but it's, it's the good ones playing good ones. So it'll be fun. So you're telling me that none of our teams has a chance to beat Hanley this week. Yeah, this is the one week we don't have any wrestlers going up against <laughs> Hanley and uh, it's disappointing. I'm sorry for you. Hey, I think a lot of our guys did really well against Hanley. Uh, there was a lot of victories uh, coming against the, uh, the judges up there. So, yeah. Uh, big weekend for the Hokies Leland and, I know Loved I don't have it. to tell you this, but man, Loved that it. game Saturday, that first half was a little bit dicey, but they played two halves in basketball and that second half was something else. And, and they just jumped all over UVA. And, and that was, we couldn't miss and they couldn't make in the second half. And that's what was delicious about it. I just, that first half is exactly what UVA wants. Just terrible looking, not fun to watch basketball. Well, but making, they were making shots to their credit. They were in the making first some half. shots, but their defense was playing really well. It's not like they were scoring lights out, but they were, they were making some shots. But like that's the way UVA wants to win a game. So like they had a whole half, it went their way, and then we had a half where it went our way, and we beat them. Uh, you know, by a solid number there. It wasn't. You know, we didn't just squeak 14, it out. It was, yeah. Yeah. So I enjoyed it so much that week with losing Radford off the roster. And everybody just kind of doubting us. And then getting the win against Notre Dame was like, okay, see, we can win a game without this guy. Like, you know, I think we had a little overreaction. You and I probably on this podcast a week ago probably had some overreaction. (laughs) I had so many conversations with people at work because, you know, everybody at work is a UVA fan for basketball. Um, 
I just kept saying, you know, I was like, we play all tough. Like I, I'm not, I'm not scared of playing that. If we get beat, we get beat, but I'm not like going into the game thinking we're going to lose these guys. Sure enough, that second half was just what, just what I needed. It fired me up for the rest of the season. It's a long season left though. People, you know, best start in ACC history and all that. That's great. I love it. Got to have that to keep on going the way we want to go. But man, there's a lot of weeks left. And I was like, I mean, there's just a hard schedule this week. You get these pesky road games against Pitt and Miami. The next week we play currently number 20 FSU and then Louisville, who just dropped out of the ranking. Like we, we have some tough teams coming up. So I'm excited about where we are beating UVA, who is was deservedly the number eight team in the nation. They hadn't lost since they played against Gonzaga, the best team in the nation. UVA is a good team and we beat them. So I'm taking that as a victory. I hear excuses of uh, Aluma getting all the calls and a lot of fouls. I don't know. I don't want to hear it. We won. We move on. I'd love if they can reschedule that other game. I don't haven't seen them pounding in a lot of these other games that got canceled. So I'm not sure we're going to see that, but I'll take that victory and uh, hopefully we can win a whole bunch more. I want to be a top four seed in the ACC because I, I remember saying that before the season started, like, Hey, we, we could be pretty good. Like we could be pretty good. And then we beat Villanova and I was like, see, we could be a top four team. And then we had a slip up here and there. I, I just I want to be a top four seed and and really have a handle on what we can do in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I hear what you're saying in terms of maybe we overreacted a little bit, but I, I do think eventually, and we're going to see this. It's going to hurt us play yeah. out. Yeah, losing you don't lose your second leading scorer and leading rebounder, and and you're just fine. I mean, we're not that deep, so I, I think that is going to come back to hurt us in certain games. Um, but yeah, I mean, look. In terms but other of people have us, other people are saying like now we're underrated, and I'm like, well, we lost to Syracuse the week before, so like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're like, in the middle, and that's where they ranked us. You yeah, know? and and that's fine. And uh, yeah, I know a lot of people thought we would be higher than 16th, and they keep pointing to we're undefeated against AP top 25 teams, and the only other team that's four and zero is Gonzaga. And I'm like, lose to Penn State and Syracuse. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, the difference is if we step on the floor with Gonzaga, they're going to blow us off the face of the earth. Like, they're miles better than we are. I like Virginia Tech. I want Virginia Tech to win every game they play, but I'm also realistic in the sense that this is not a Final Four team. So let's pump the brakes on where you I think we're going to be ranked. I want to be a top four ACC team, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let, let's pump the brakes on where people think we should be ranked. I mean, we're not a top, we're not a Final Four team, and being a top four ACC team isn't what that means most years. I mean, there is not a team in the ACC that is going to be in the Final Four, in my opinion. I, I, I look at this conference, and I just don't see it. Yeah, none of the usual names for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the top Florida of the conference. State's good. They, Florida State's just surprised me with some of their losses, but I think they can play really well. You just um, look at the top of the conference. I mean, a, UVA is still the top of the conference. That's not a Final Four team. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, and, and that's the thing. I'm skipping past them and going to Florida State even. So, like, that's skipping past us. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I... I do tend to have a biasness for the ACC and think they'll get further than they should. And it's happened a lot of times before. I mean, there's been the Maryland's there's been the um, wake forest out of nowhere one year. Like, I mean, there's been those years where we have, we're, we're deeper than we think we are, but this year might, might not be that year. Right. But yeah, so obviously we've, we've touched on Virginia tech success. Uh, UVA losing to Virginia tech is their big, big game of the week. They dropped to uh, 12, um, and that's fine. 
But I want to touch on JMU because JMU, 4-1 and one in the CAA for the first time since 2010-2011. Uh, they did that with wins in the middle of the week against Towson and then Sunday against Drexel in a game where I, I couldn't believe I was looking at the score at one point and they were up like 17 points. And I was like, what is happening? And then that game got real close and I was like, uh Oh, but, um, coach Biketon, um, wow. That guy, I, I know it's early. It's his first year, but he's four and one in the conference. And I'm loving it. He's got Elon coming up. He's got two games against William and Mary over the weekend. Ugh, win two of those, and I will just be over the moon. And I'm glad you're over the moon. I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad JMU basketball, men's basketball, can bring you joy because it was months ago. I'm not not a year ago, months ago that you wrote this program out for dead, how it wasn't a good job. How are they going to get I, these? I don't know how. Job? I don't I, know I how they got you, someone this good. <laughs> I kept telling you it's not a bad job. And and if you get the right person oh, okay. in here, the right things can happen. Did I, what I would have said last spring, hey, they're going to get a coach and they'll be four and one in the CAA to start next year. I would not have said that. But I would have said they can get a guy that will help them in the right direction. And they certainly have a guy that definitely has them headed in the right direction. Hopefully he can continue that and carry that forward. I don't see any reason he can't. I don't, I don't see what's holding them back at that level from getting good guys to come there. They have a beautiful new facility, and that means a lot to these college basketball yes, players. Yes, that's yeah. going to help them in recruiting. I think mm-hmm. you've undersold that. The whole, I think I brought that up every time I talked about the potential of this job. Brand new building, brand new building. I, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. That's why you have other schools doing little things to include and make their facilities better and having those player lounges. That means stuff to these guys that are coming there to play, to spend hours and hours and hours and days in those buildings. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful that JMU can, can keep this trajectory. Now, I just want to ground that conversation with, we keep talking about how JMU should go up and play D1. They are D1. Join, but yeah. Or a D1 football, but join a conference for D1 football that would take their basketball team with them. You know, then how do the facilities stack up when you go play some of those conferences that have already been at that level and have, you know, probably built that building five years ago and it's still newer building, but, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm hopeful that this can continue. I do think, though, your priority for Jamie, I still think they got to go up. I still think they got to go. I, I, you don't do, you don't make that decision based on what your basketball team oh, yeah. is doing today. You shouldn't make that decision based on what your football team's doing today, but the football team has been in this realm for a long time. I think they can be making a lot more money. And so I, I think at some point the CAA won't be what JMU is doing. But in the meantime, JMU, keep winning. Yeah. I mean, right now you're in the right CAA, now. so just do as good as you can in that conference and see what happens. Yep. I mean, yep. look, you, you split look at with these other CAA teams that have gone up. I mean, yeah, you split with you split with Northeastern. That's the top dog in the CAA. Um, and and so far you've beat everyone else that you've played. I mean, that's kind of all you can do. Um you swept Towson. You've taken one against Drexel. I like that. UNCW's not any good. So, I mean, I, I'm just, you know, when you look at this schedule and you're like, okay, who are the teams that might give us trouble? Maybe William & Mary. Maybe Hofstra. But these next two weeks, more winnable games from what you've proven. Yeah, and, and again, like, I don't know. I don't know. When you only win two a, a CAA games the year before and you look, terrible against everyone else you play i guess there's a certain part that when you already have four at this point it just feels like anything else is icing on the cake so 
But keep going. Yeah, and, and this does feel like a team that's definitely going to be playing in the CAA tournament, and who knows? I mean, it's it's a conference tournament, and, and anything can happen. It. Yeah, you get to host it, and anything can happen, and if you win the conference, you get to go to the tournament. Again, it's... And when I, to go back to uh, you know you making fun of me for saying this wasn't a good job, they've been to the tournament one time in my entire life, so it's not that a good a job. When they did, <laughs> yeah, and that was by accident. Yeah, that was a year where the the top two teams in the conference were declared academically ineligible, and then the next best team got beat by another team because you weren't going to beat them, so they beat them for you, and then you happened to just it was the easiest path a team has ever had to win the CAA tournament. So. Yeah, it was kind of by accident. And it was actually something that probably hurt the program in the long run because it kept a coach that they were looking to not bring back. So, um, but yeah, I mean, look, this Coach Byington's done a great job and I'm very excited to see what he can do with with the rest of his time at JMU. I hope they can hold on to him because I think that's the other aspect of this, right? If he keeps doing this and keeps having success uh, and, you know, multiple years of success at JMU, obviously you run the risk of him going somewhere else. He is a fairly young coach. And while he has ties to the state of Virginia, being that he's a Salem native, um, I, I don't think he is a guy who is immune to moving up the ladder. I mean, and... And that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Whether it's you're a, in the CAA or Conference be, yeah. USA, that's going to be a thing. Or Sunbelt or whatever. Guy. Like, we shouldn't hold him back. No. I just hope he puts us in a good place to where the next guy is not as hard. Another good candidate is not as hard to convince. I've been paying attention to college basketball more so since I think we got called out a week or two for not knowing college basketball as well as we should. Um, this weekend, <laughs> maybe wake up to the Big 12 being pretty darn good. Oklahoma told was kind of the, <laughs> the peak of that. I know, I know. But I, I finally saw some from us. I finally watched non-tech games or non-ACC games. Uh, I get stuck on that ACC channel because they just have all the games over there. They're not on the other networks. Um, but the Big 12, obviously Baylor's good. I knew that. Uh, but Gonzaga was kind of the only other team I was had really seen much of. Baylor looked good. They have a big one against Texas on Tuesday night, probably as this podcast is getting posted. Mm-hmm. Monday night, as we're recording, Texas Tech, the number 13 team in the nation, is playing the number nine Oklahoma team who has four top 10 wins this year. So a lot of good basketball being played in that conference. I'm rooting for Mac. That's where I'm at, though. Like, I, I mean, it's cool that the Big 12 is good. I want Mac to just find a way to tear them all up. I've underestimated that kid from the when he was a junior. I think you saw him when he was a sophomore. You followed Freshman. him a bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've covered him a bunch. I've covered him some. And I, I thought, you know, eventually in college he would contribute. I mean, he's just the man. He was good at Georgetown, and now he's at Texas Tech immediately – averaging 20 points just he's the man on that team i mean and one of many that's why they're a good team that's why they're a top 15 team is because they have a lot of good players on that texas tech team and they're you know beating oklahoma right now the team that's beat a bunch of top 10 teams uh as we're recording so the big 12 is some basketball to watch this year that's not usually a conference in march that i'm making sure i watch uh you know i'm usually catching the big 10 and the acc or or something like that big 12 is gonna be one to watch that conference tournament's gonna be a lot of fun Yes, it is. And, you know, you mentioned Texas Tech being number 13 in the country. They're four and four in the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, Baylor is yeah. Baylor is number two. Yeah. yeah, they have one loss outside the conference. Baylor is number two. They haven't lost a game, period. Uh, Texas is five and two in the Big 12. They're number six in the country. They're 11 and three uh-huh. overall. 
Oklahoma six and three in the conference, eleven and four overall. West Virginia's four and three in the conference, eleven and five overall. They're number seventeen in the country. Kansas eleven and six overall. They're twenty third. <laughs> yeah, they're twenty third in the country. They're five and four, and then Texas Tech is thirteen at four and four. And um, does Kansas still have that streak of winning that conference like every year? I think I think this year's it. I think there's just too many teams. That can I can't take remember out. if. Uh, well, I guess they didn't play the conference tournament last year. No. So yeah. They would, I think they, they would still, still have that streak it. going. I think this is it. I think I, last year would have ended, but yeah. Um, yeah. You might be right about that. Oklahoma State, by the way, doesn't have a loss outside the – now, I don't know who they've played, um, but they don't have a loss outside the conference. They're 4-4 four and four in the conference. So it's a, it's a pretty good Big 12 this year. And then, of course, the biggies with Villanova, Creighton, Xavier. I mean, these are good good teams. I just, when I look at some outside of the conference, the big 10 is again, that's a usual conference that you look at, but I I look at all these conferences and how many good teams there are in them. And then I look at the ACC and I'm like, yeah, I don't think the ACC is a final four legit final four shot. We will see. All right. Let's talk about the super bowl. Some, because last week we talked about how we got here. Let's talk about what you think is going to happen in this super bowl against the chiefs. And the Buccaneers, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes is how it's being played, even though they're never on the field at the same time. Um, Chiefs won it last year. Obviously, Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's been in it 10 times um, in recent memory. <laughs> and uh, But basically, let's start with picks, and then we'll talk about what we think the game will be. Who do you have? If you had to pick a winner, who you got? Um, picking a winner, I would say Kansas city. I I think they will win. I actually like them. So you spot them three points. I would spot. Mm -hmm. I think they cover the spread. Um, What do you think of that 56 and a half over under over over say? So since we agree on the other stuff, I figured you'd say over. So, I've seen some of these Super Bowls where they just start a little slow. I just wonder if that'll hold. So I'll take the under. So at least we're disagreeing on something. So I'm rooting against offense in the Super Bowl versus Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. And I'll take Kansas City by four. Uh, By four. So just covering this. I took eight. I said eight was kind of my number. So because I think Tom Brady will need a touchdown to win. Everyone will be getting that. Tom Brady's going to do it again. Juice is flowing. And then he'll get sacked and the ball will squirt out. The Chiefs will recover and run out the clock. But Tom Brady doesn't get sacked in the ball rollout. It's either a uh, yeah, it's an incomplete pass, pass. You're right, or it's a roughing the quarterback. That doesn't yeah. happen. Tom Brady. That's when he turns around and screams at the official. Tom Brady does not fumble, sir. <laughs> <laughs> My general thing of the game, I think, for watching early is just watching that line play. And I say that about a lot of games, but particularly with Tampa Bay's defensive front. What are they doing to Kansas City up front? I, I don't think they'll just be all over Mahomes because Mahomes can't escape, but are they causing that chaos back there? And then the other way, can Kansas City's defensive front, who's also very good, can they get to Tom Brady? And and I make the jokes that you can't touch Tam, Tom Brady. Everybody does. But if they can put that pressure on him, we've seen that many times to be the way to take down Tom Brady. Get him on the ground. Get him sacked. Make him uncomfortable. Don't let him have those lawn pockets. So I think in the first quarter, if you want – Oh, uh, who's going to win this game? You just watch that kind of action, and that'll tell you. Even if even if there's a long touchdown for one of the teams or something, if you're seeing general disruption in the backfield, I think that's going to tell you the long story of that game. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. I agree. Um, and 
this is going to be a total non sequitur, but breaking news while we were recording, uh, Florida State is not going to be playing Virginia Tech next Tuesday. Well, darn it. Um, but that's a Florida State issue, uh, which I guess is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I assumed that. Otherwise, you would have probably presented that much differently. But um, yeah, to go back to this game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting, right? I, I do think it's a close game. I, this is a game where I guess I'm rooting for the Chiefs. The Chiefs are starting to get to that point where they're almost so good that I, I hate rooting for them, but I don't like Tom Brady. So, Yeah, I don't like Tom. And and Bruce Arians being a Virginia Tech guy really doesn't bring me in the house either. I, no. I, well, the reason he's Kansas, not a yeah, – him being dismissed from Virginia Tech, if you look at that's not great. To what? That whole situation's not great. Yeah, I, I might be missing something there. I just yeah. I know he's a former Hokie. That, that's all. I, so I just don't really take that for much. Um, if this was like a different, decent quarterback at Tampa Bay leading Tampa Bay against the Chiefs, I'd probably still be rooting for the Chiefs. So I, especially with Tom Brady there, I'm I'm rooting for Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs don't bother me yet. I know they will. I, we'll get there. I'm, I'm not saying like Clemson used to not bother me. Now they do. Um, but I'm not there yet with them. I like my homes. I like the way he plays. It's fun to watch. Yeah, I just I don't like Kelsey as much. I know he's good. I I I just don't like him that much. The stars are going to make plays in this game, and that's what probably helps your over bet. But yeah, I just think these offenses are too good to not hit that over. I mean, I think it's a really good number, but that's what Vegas does. Maybe. OK, Leland, well, let's keep it in the realm of football, but let's do some quick hitters here. Uh, the schedules came out for Virginia Tech and UVA. Let's start with the team that we care about. This season could <laughs> potentially <laughs> be bad right out the gate. You play UNC. I don't love that. Then you play Middle Tennessee State, which, fine. West Virginia, yikes. Richmond, I'm just going to tell you right now, that's going to be a game that if if people are allowed to get together and not have to worry about a pandemic, that might be one that I, I don't know, Leland. I'm going to be in a special place during that game, and I don't know. It's going to be bad. Anyway, yeah. Richmond, I, that's going to be a bad game. We're going to lose that game. I'm just mentally preparing myself now. <laughs> um, uh, Richmond. Uh, you better beat Richmond. Then you have a week off. And then, oh, yeah, Notre Dame. So. Yeah. Hey, the ACC, at least they try to – they give these Notre Dame. There's so many times everybody has a bye before they play Notre Dame. So, at least they did that for us. I mean, I'm saying you can easily – you can easily sit in two and three going after the Notre Dame game. You can easily be sitting at two and three. And that, that chair is – sets on fire for Fuente if he's already at two is and three it, at that point. Is it – do we? It should be. It should be because you have other losses coming. And I know there's a nice little stretch in the second half of the season from Pitt to Notre, from Duke uh, from mid-October to mid-November where you have winnable games. But we're not going to win them all. And so if you're already two at three and you lose one or two of those and then you go into the final stretch of Miami at Miami at UVA, ugh, seven and five, that's that's the over under. And I know what Joe has. <laughs> Hold on, let me count. We're not going seven and five. I think seven and five is good. I think that's probably what we are. Because here's what here's what he's gonna do just to piss me off, right? 
we'll we'll lose to UNC, WVU, and Notre Dame. We'll lose all three of those games. And then Pitt's going to be a game that people are going to be like, this is a big game for Joseph Winter and Virginia Tech. So he'll go out and win it. He'll go beat Syracuse. He'll go smash Georgia Tech and BC just to prove how awesome he is. And he'll beat Duke. And then people will start buying in again and be like, oh, my win gosh. five in a row. Yeah, oh, yeah. my gosh. Is he good? Is Virginia Tech good? We'll, we'll be, like, bottom 20, top 25. And then my, we'll play Miami, and they will absolutely curb stomp us. We will get smashed at <laughs> Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. They will take out an electric guitar and beat it over our heads. And then, just for S's and G's, we'll play at UVA, and we'll get slapped at UVA. Or you know what? No, he'll be over. He'll beat UVA and go eight and four just to piss me off and save his job for one more year. Well, I, despite my being done with Fuente, I'd rather us have success than, than, and be wrong about Fuente at some point. Than eight and four is right. not us being wrong about Fuente. Not yet, but that would save his job another year. I, I just rather us win than anything. I want us to win more than I want change even. I just think. We need change to win. Um, the only hope I have is that we have come into those first games of the seasons generally pretty good with Puente. Like, we don't play terrible. So, I think that maybe we have a shot against UNC there. But the, at WVU when was the last the time we played someone that good, though? Versus Notre Dame is just not good. So We're playing a really good team in UNC. That's the difference. Yeah, I guess a lot of those first game successes that even like even if we didn't lose them, we still played well against like Alabama and one of those and um, there's other ones. Those that wasn't Frank, Fuente. So, yeah. yeah, I was going to say the, the Fuente openers. Far. Yeah, were Florida State, a team that didn't play in a bowl game. And I think won two games, maybe yeah, three we have that all that year. fake early. See, that UVA we, game, the WVA West game, Virginia didn't go to a bowl game the year we opened up against them. I mean, yeah. Tennessee, we lost that game. So we lost that game. Um, all right. So on the other side, on the team, we don't care as much about seven and five for UV for UVA. What's your over under there? Under we got, I got him at six. Un- I think they'll lose six. at Louisville. They'll lose, go. they'll lose to UNC. They'll lose to Miami. They'll lose at Louisville at BYU, Notre Dame and us. Yeah. That BYU game's not for them. That's, that's gonna be tough. That's that's how their, I think they, they get, get their to bye weeks though before Notre Dame. So. Yeah, and they'll play in a bowl game. Six and six <laughs> is good enough. All right, so that's our thoughts there quickly on the schedule. Obviously, we have months to talk about that, and we will hit it again at some point. And Joe will tell us how terrible we are, and still somehow say we're going to win eight games just to make him mad. Um, that's the only reason we'll win eight games. Yeah. The, what, what drives me, the point I want to make about these schedules is that they come out, and I just hate that the NFL just like took out. Thursday night, like Thursday night football used to be like a thing. Like when I was in college, you watch Thursday night football every week. Then Virginia tech would get to play in one of those games against like Miami or Georgia tech. And it'd be a fun time. They just completely killed Thursday night football. ESPN doesn't want to schedule against the NFL. So they don't even put very good games on, on Thursday when they are on. And then they gave the ACC this Friday night slot. That's terrible. I just, I wish, I wish we still had Thursday night football in college. Cause you had Kirk Herb Street and Fowler there back then. It was like a A team there. Like it wasn't the A team then, but like it was what the A team is now. They they were doing that then. I just I missed Thursday night football. It was it was a cool vibe then. Yeah. Back in my day, back when I was young. I don't know about that, but 
But Monday Night Football was better back then, too. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, ESPN so, just keeps getting screwed by the NFL. Let's talk about how much baseball hates itself and hates the idea of fans loving it and Apparently. just the yeah. idea of growing the game and, I don't know, ever competing for younger viewers. Uh, the MLB owners, and this is this is a 180 from where I was a year ago. The MLB owners opted to start the season late, play 154 games, expand the playoff, expand the DH. In that 154 games, starting late, there would be some doubleheaders scheduled already, and there would probably be more if there was COVID problems, which there most likely will be eventually. The MLB Players Association, as we come to record, says no. They're going to plan on regular start and regular everything. In this 154-game plan, they're being paid for 162 games. They're being paid the full salary. Um, I, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't. Either. I don't understand. And they said, they said if the season were to be delayed or canceled, they didn't like that. There's no salary or service time protections. If the season is canceled, I'm sorry. Everybody loses like, (laughs) Hey players, you know what? This is more incentive for you to, instead of doing whatever the heck you want to do, like you did at times last year, Justin Turner, you follow the COVID protocols. I don't get it. When I sent you that this idea was out there, I just was like, I don't see how this gets rejected. This is what they argued about last year. They didn't want to get paid less for playing less games here. Play less games. We'll just pay you the same. Like, I don't know. I I know it's all negotiation and they're all setting up for that big labor dispute that's coming. But I mean, it's just, it's tough for a fan to to see this because it just makes sense to start the season a month later. Just kind of makes sense right now. Like if you have that option, do it. Just do it like yeah. NBA had to because they were still playing the other season late. But like do what you have to do to get it in. And just rejecting this just seems stupid. But I don't understand. We'll it's see just, where that goes. It's just like the Players Union and the Owners Association both come up with new creative ways to kill the idea of growing fans. All right, uh, Pedroia retired. I know you're not a fan of him. No. I always liked the way he played. No. I always I liked I liked the way he played. He played tough. He came out as a rookie playing tough. They won a World Series, I think, that year, and he won the Rookie of the Year, and then I think he won the MVP the next year. Um, and he was solid there for a while. He's hurt these last couple of years, but you know that's a staple of Boston for the last decade and a half or 17 seasons. Man, uh, I hope I wrote that right, but yeah, he's played a long time. Uh, can't be 17. It'd be like 13 seasons, but anyway, he, um, he's been a face of their organization. So that's, I think that's a significant loss for that team. And, uh, he was one of the guys on Boston. I did kind of root for Like I, I don't generally root for Boston. I root against the Yankees, whoever they're playing. So I guess there's those games that I root for Boston, but Pedroia was a guy that like, I'd have had him on my team. I'd have been pretty happy. Now, Dustin Pedroia always got up upset easy and he was one of those guys at boston and boston people love i didn't like him um he definitely overreacted one time when he wasn't being enough of an athlete to get off second base and manny slid in to break up a double play and that somehow was a dirty play even though manny slid directly into the bag and dustin pedroy was just standing on it's like some kind of amateur was so <laughs> he slid directly into the bag and yeah, maybe one cleat was up, but you're trying to break up a double play. You're allowed to do that. Sorry, Dustin Petroy, you're not an athlete and you didn't have the wherewithal to get off the bag. That's a you well, problem. It's not a Manny problem. 
You're back to defending Manny Machado. That's right. <laughs> what does the world come to? It's, it takes a Boston or New York player for Joe to circle back on liking Manny Machado. John uh, Leonard knows. Actually, John Leonard probably hates that I said that. But um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, he's a, he is a good player and he is a future Hall of Famer probably. But definitely yeah. hurt the last few years and so this was honestly a thing where i was like oh yeah i forgot he was still playing like yeah he, he was kind of out of the picture the last two years but i want to um, talk to you about this last one leland because this is total nonsense and all the time the orioles get dunked on for not trying to field a competitive team and what are they doing and blah 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 Th- they're killing baseball that's yeah. that's john Heyman. uh if the Orioles were killing baseball last year, what are the Rockies doing? Because they traded the best player they have ever had in the history of their franchise. They didn't get a top 100 I mean, prospect. Dante Bichette might have something to say. Dante Bichette can have, <laughs> he can have his say, and then he can go sit down and be wrong. Because Nolan Arenado is, is a better player than Dante Bichette. Dante Bichette can shut up. He can Dante Bichette shut up, because I don't want to hear it. He is, no. Nolan Arenado is a better player than Dante Bichette. It's the best player in the history of their franchise. They didn't get a top 100 prospect. And, by the way, not only did you give him up, you paid the Cardinals $50 million on top of it. What in the hell is going on in Colorado? And then their Twitter profile, you said tonight, like had tears. That, yeah, that the deal, the deal done. is done. Like, Crying emoji. <laughs> Shut up. You're the ones who don't did make it. The deal. <laughs> yeah, the social media guy got fired, I'm sure. But, I mean... I don't understand. Arenado got that eight-year deal when everybody was getting those 10-year deals, and we threw him right in that bunch of, like, this is going to be a bad contract. I mean. Oh, I don't know if I said that. He'll go be. I I think we saw in eight years of him in Colorado, it might not. He might not win a World Series because Colorado is Colorado. but. But now on a good team and, what, six years left on that contract, like, people catch a second life in in St. Louis all the time. And if he's being productive, especially with his bat, like he's going to be like, he could have a, he could win a world series or two. at the Cardinals. He's a great I mean, defensive we, player too. Yeah. He is a great baseball player. I don't yeah. understand this deal. Colorado absolutely just clowned themselves. I mean, we skipped I, over this on the NFL side, but to me, this is far worse than the LA Rams giving two first rounds oh, and yeah. a second round. It was there. The note was there. Yeah, I skipped over it. Um, a circle. My bad. <laughs> but this is far worse than that for Matt Stafford. I mean, this is this is bananas yeah. dumb. I don't I understand this. I don't like this. him coming in the I NFL Central. I don't That's understand how Major League Baseball can look at this. If they're looking into what the Orioles and the Players Association is looking at what the Orioles are doing, I don't understand how you look into this. Don't look into this. This is, this is a crime. This is not improving the Rockies in any shape, way, or form. All right, so go, let's go talk about Stafford. I, I don't mind the Stafford thing. I think, I think Stafford has at least some years left. LA's window is only so much. They got Aaron Donald now. They have, um, I'm blanking on names now. Like they have the guys now. They were just no. in the Super Bowl two years ago. Like those guys are there now. In four years, okay, Stanford might not be Stafford might not be your quarterback then, but like he could be good for you then. Golf is bad now. So I, I don't just know don't, why. I like the deal Th- was this team not a playoff team? Why is he bad? Golf? Yeah. They benched him for that guy. With yeah, I don't understand like, that. He was I don't get he it. Hurt. 
I don't he wasn't get that. playing well. Like in the regular season games, he wasn't playing. This well. is a sideways move to me. This is not a plus move. This is a sideways move at best, and you gave up two firsts and a second. This is a bad deal for the. And the only thing that's going to make it a bad deal for the Lions is the Lions, by rule, have to make those draft picks. They can't have somebody else make them for them. So they're still going to have the same clowns make the draft picks that always make Lions draft picks. That's yeah. why it won't work out for the Lions. But this is not a win for the Rams. I feel I bad for Stafford. Matt Stafford. I think Matt's, I would have liked Matt Stafford going to almost any other team that needed a quarterback more. Apparently he said anywhere but New England, which you just got to assume that's the not being Tom Brady's shadow. Also Matt Apparently, Patricia. I, I wonder, I had heard rumors and tweets, and I just don't know how true they are about him coming to Washington. And he didn't really want to do that. He'd rather go to L.A. I'd have come to Washington with that defense over there yeah. and what Rivera's got going. I'd have come there. Now, apparently, Washington wasn't going to offer what the Rams did. Which... Yeah, that's probably the difference. All right. Well, that was some good quick hitters. All right. Well, let's get out of here and let's bring on Steve Hartley, the athletic director at Stewart's Draft. And joining us on the Yak Sports Podcast now, the athletic director at Stewart's Draft High School, Mr. Steve Hartley. Uh, Mr. Hartley, thanks for joining us. And uh, let's get off by starting. You know, obviously, one of the first questions we're going to ask, and I'm sure our listeners are curious about, is, you know, this is a unique situation for everybody handling COVID. What's it been like for you and trying to get, now that high school athletics is allowed to be played in the state of Virginia, making sure that the events can keep going on with COVID. Yeah, it's been very difficult. I mean, it's, it's uh, starts from, you know, all of us have wanted sports to go on and we've missed them greatly. We, uh, uh, you know, it, it was just tough. We were all hoping that we could maybe get going. Um, but through uh, nothing of what we could do, we finally at least got going, but it's been trying to make sure that everyone understands that there's been a lot of rules put in place that do not, uh, that we've never really had to deal with, uh, especially with dealing um, with government. It's uh, it's a little bit different. And <laughs> yeah. uh, so we, I think we've done great. I think the whole uh, Shenandoah district has worked out perfectly for us. I know that we're getting in a lot of games where other schools have not. And uh, the kids have been great. They obviously are not quite understanding what's going on, just like what we were, really. And we're trying to keep everybody as safe as possible from from the kids to the parents to the grandparents and, and coaches and officials. So speaking more to the students, I, I mean, how much of a challenge has that been um, with the students? Is maybe comparing st students to parents. Uh, to me, it, it seems like a lot of the students – they just want to be able to play. Are, are you seeing that too? Is it is it easier to kind of keep them, hey, if you do this, we can play, and they do it? Um, and maybe with the parents, there's maybe a little more explanation. Needed. How, how's the balance there dealing with, with the outside sources so these people can enjoy high school sports? Yeah, we, we feed right off of what we saw in definitely college football and through the NFL. And then, you know, we, we also show – uh, make try to make examples of what others have had to go through in the in the entire uh, valley that uh, you know look if we don't do these things then it's very possible that we will be shut down and then you know we're trying to get in as much as we can would we like to have a regular full season sure 
poor, but uh, this is the best we got. And so if this is what's on our plate, then let's do everything that we can to get through this season. And I think, I think that uh, the Shenandoah district has definitely done that. And I, you know, in Augusta County with Stanton and then involved in Waynesboro, it's, uh, it's worked out. And, you know, the parents, I, I, I get a lot of uh, thank yous for at least being able to put on what we can. Uh, I think they, they, they understand that we're doing everything that we possibly can give them. If, if it's something that we can give that gets back to what we call the normal, then that's what we're trying to do. So going now to the sports side of things, and we'll start since winter sports were first, we'll start with the big winter sports question, uh, new basketball coach this year, uh, but an in-house hire kind of. So, I mean, what was that like in terms of your search with it being an in-house guy, did that make it easier? Of course, then that leads to, all right, now we got to go get a girls coach. But uh, talk about Coach DeWitt and what led you to choosing him for the boys program. Well, it, it you know, it honestly, in-house uh, does mean a lot. Um, I, we did have several good candidates from both the boys and the girls. And uh, I, I I would be lying if I didn't say that I wouldn't want all of my head coaches to be um, on staff inside the building. It's, it's very big. I've uh, known coach DeWitt for several years now. And I, I, I knew his uh, dad um, for a long time. Now I've gotten to know him and, and I know the, the background that it comes from. And, and I believe that uh, we're on the right track to, you know, having a very successful, program because that's what we're all about I mean yes this year we're struggling um, but it's going away from what we have been doing for 12 13 years and uh, you know now it's going to take a little bit of time and we're positive that uh, coach DeWitt will get us to where we need to be and we already see big improvements yeah very big improvements Always a good sign when you're knocking off that team on top of the district uh, twice in the same season it, it, exactly and I mean that's that's kind of where we're what we're looking at, we're looking at, uh, you know, I try to tell all of the, the kids, the coaches and the parents at Stewart's Draft that, you know, the wins and losses, they're, they're going to just be there. We're, we're not going to be about wins and losses only. You know, we're, we're about, you know, producing a full student athlete. And uh, I'm very proud to say that I believe that we've done that through the, the entire school with the staff, the administration, the kids, the coaches, Parents, they're huge for that. Looking ahead at this next, uh, the next season, uh, sounds weird to say fall sports, but, you know, football always does get the most attention and uh, had a heck of a season last year there at Stewart's Draft, making all the way to the state championship game um, right there, competing for a, a title. Uh, you know, how do you, how as an AD do you look at building off that success? I know, you know, the, the head football coach is going to have his own ideas, but, how do you build around that, the excitement, the support, you know, fundraising? How, how do you use that success and build forward? And I'm going to apologize. Uh, my internet must have gone out. If you could just repeat from the, the beginning, I, I apologize. No problem. For the looking ahead at the football season, you know, you guys had a lot of success last year, gotten it all the way to the state title game. And uh, right there, knocking on the door, almost getting a state title. Uh, how do you build off the success from last year? Maybe not X's and O's so much like uh, Coach Floyd's looking at, but the the fundraising and the support success. Like, how do you build off of that uh, after having the best season in Stewart's Draft uh, Cougar history for football? 
Right. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what you do. You feed right off of what, what happened last year. And that's why, you know, it, it makes it super easy then because you do get, the community does see what it means to them. It means a lot. It, it, it just is, you know, it is infested with our community. We, we love the high school sports just as much as anyone else around. And when you do get that extra boost of taking it all the way to the, you know, state finals, uh, you know, people want to be a part of that. And so when you start talking about fundraising, when you start talking about coming to games, you you do start to see a lot more people that maybe, you know, weren't always there. Uh, But that's, that, that, that comes with it. And, and how do you do it? You, you keep doing the good fundamentals and the basics. And that's what coach Floyd does best with his staff of trying to, you know, we're back to square one now. We, we've got to start over and, and hopefully enjoy the journey to go there as well. So I know we've talked about football and, and basketball, but in terms of the other high school sports, I mean, you're the athletic director of all the high school sports there at Stewart's Draft. What are some of your other favorite sports to watch and uh, while you're at Stewart's Draft? I, I know this sounds you know, cliche, but honestly, all of them, it's, uh, you know, throughout the years, we've got, you know, we've had incredible runs with soccer. Obviously for us, the, the cheer team has been just amazing. I, I can honestly tell you that uh, before this little run of the state titles, I can say that the cheerleading was not something that uh, with the competition that you could, you know, pick out now. I can tell you when we've been performing at the state level, uh, myself and others come up and say, wow, what, what a routine. And, and that's, and that is it, you know, baseball's had their, their run. Uh, softball had a run several years ago and, and, and they're looking to get back. You know, it, it just kind of, all of them just keep on going and getting just a little bit better and better. And um, that's the main thing is, is always trying to get better. So in terms of, you know, the job and being the athletic director and you get to see all the, the high school sports, which is great. Uh, what, what drew you to this position at Stewart's draft? What makes you want to keep going back to your job and, and helping build the athletics programs there at Stewart's draft high school? I've never not been around sports and I could not imagine, um, not being around it. it it's, uh, it's something that I grew up with. I loved it. Um, I, you know, played through college and then uh, basically went and coached for several years um, in Albemarle County. And I can honestly say of seeing how rewarding it is to be a part of the leadership for the coaches is what uh, drew me to this situation. Because if you, I, I will say that you know, dealing with the kids is, is great. It's, um, fun. And then when you take it a step further and say, okay, how can I help coaches become better at their job? That that's what led me to become an athletic director. Okay. Uh, last, uh, sports question we'll, we'll give you here, but, uh, what is the importance and how important is it to make sure that the VHSL doesn't miss another spring sports season since, that's the athletes that were really impacted the last, last year. 
I really don't want to even think about that. That would be that would just be that would be devastating. I, I think we ha- we would have to do something for those kids, uh, no matter what. We we've got to figure something out, and and I don't want any season to uh, go again like what we just had, but especially for this spring sports. Can you repeat that last part, Mr. Hartley? We lost you a little bit there. There you go. Yeah, just uh, that. We we can't we can't afford that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and we'll we'll get you out of here on a just for fun question that we ask all of our guests. And this is your first time on here, so we'll ask you the same question. Uh, when you're not at Stewart Draft High School, taking in all these sporting events, uh, what are you watching? What are you binge watching? What do you what's your go to program on Netflix or TV or whatever? Uh, here lately has been um, my wife and I binge watch uh, the uh, the Big Sky and also uh, Virgin River. Those okay, are big, yeah. and and then also um, we're we're going to actually get caught up tonight right after this on um, your honor. So we'll, that's what we'll, we'll be watching. All right. Well, thank you for those recommendations. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll pat the audience will hear those and they'll get involved too. But. Again, Mr. Hartley, thank you for taking time to talk to Leland and I. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you, guys, and I appreciate you, everything that y'all do for the Valley and for our area and keeping the kids um, in mind at, at all times. We want to thank Steve Hartley for coming on again yep. and uh, apologize Obviously, there's a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're doing the best with Zoom that we can. And uh, But we want to thank him again for taking time to talk to Leland and I about just, a, frankly, a point of view that we haven't had on this podcast before in terms of an athletic director and given everything that's going on, this isn't a normal year. It's nice to get that kind of take on everything that he's had to go through and yeah. what they're doing to make it work. And you could really especially on the question that I think the audio messed up the most on there was talking about getting the spring sports season in for these kids that missed it last year, the, you know, the underclassmen last year. And just like, you could just immediately tell how much he cared about that. And uh, not that he would trade any of these other seasons for that, but he just didn't really want to do that to those kids again. So I, I, yeah, we all hope we have all the sports, but uh, particularly these kids in the spring, hopefully uh, things can be in the right place for that. And, Credit to these athletic directors, not just Steve Hartley, um, even though we had him on there and thank him for coming on, but like all of them, how how hard has their job been in this last year? There was no class in, uh, you know, uh, administration uh, degree <laughs> or, hey, when a pandemic hits, this is how you react to it. Like they're all learning on the fly and dealing. They have to communicate with each other. Everything's changing. A whole new set of rules is getting thrown at them. You have people that may like them or may not like them. And you just got to get everybody into the same spot. And uh, I mean – all the administration deserves a lot of credit, but the sports kind of is the most vocal at times. I mean, that gets written about every night of the week when there's games happening. And and that's the, an area that you can say, well, maybe we don't need that. Like not doing it is an option, you know, like school, there's gotta be some kind of school sports. You and I have said at times, should they be playing, you know, about, you know, not recently, but we have said that that's a tough thing to deal with when you, when someone could have an opinion of, well, just don't, have it uh that's hard to combat so congratulations these guys are making it successful especially in this area we really haven't had a bad covid problem in our area um so congratulations these guys of getting getting us all there 
Well, Leland, we have uh, we're going to open up the D block uh, by talking about the mailbag and the D block. Yeah, we finally got some <laughs> replies here uh, to our to our question or our yeah. What is the what some of the most disappointing moments for you as a fan? Uh, so I want to we we started last week with Johns and I think we read those off and it was mostly Phillies losing to Yankees related. Mm-hmm. And then also so, the Orioles in a World Series. Yeah. Yes. So Patrick Height chimed in and he re- listed off some UNC losses 2012 to Kansas which had to hurt being Kansas. Uh he mentioned the 84 team in Carolina cuz he thought that was like the best team Carolina had. Uh 2016 uh, he called out as being a hard moment for UNC. Um, so a lot to be had there for Carolina. Patrick also brought up some DC sports, um, talking about the nationals, uh, just a couple years ago, or I guess 2012 now it doesn't, it doesn't seem that long ago. Um, but they had that hard game five loss in the NLDS to the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals went on to win it that year or was that, Cardinals losing to Boston. I, I can't remember, but still that was a team that the nationals really were set to probably make a run on that season and, and came up short. So that was one for baseball that stood out to Patrick. And uh, yeah, that's, those are all tough losses. Me not being fans of those teams. It's hard for me to relate as much, but like, you know, he listed off like who's playing and, and the, what the guy did in his career. The rest of, I mean, that's the kind of passion that these losses that, that these teams bring out. And then when they lose or they don't get as far as you think they we're gonna, man, it can stick with you. Yeah, and um, I, I I will tell him. I mean, I didn't get this answer from one of the guys at 4D Sports uh, that reached out and talked to us about it, which I was kind of surprised by, but I know those Nationals playoff games. I mean, Chris, who does that podcast with me, uh, he's a big Nats fan, and there would be years where he wouldn't watch Nationals playoff games with us because he knew we got great delight in watching him be upset with how good they would be in the regular season. And then they would get in the playoffs and lose. And there was one year where they were playing the giants and they were up. I mean, they were up big and they were playing the giants and it was an elimination game. And my brother is sitting there and we're watching the game. My brother has to leave early and he goes, Oh, Chris, the Nets have this in the bag. Don't even worry. And my cousin is sitting there stressing out because he knows what their bullpen is. And he's like, I don't know. I'm just nervous. And he goes, nah, the Nats have this. I've never been sure of anything, more sure of anything in my entire life, which are the words. And no sooner do those words leave his mouth, the Giants go on a rally and the Nats get eliminated. And my cousin for years hated my brother. Now that they've won a World Series, it doesn't matter. But yeah, uh, that was that was definitely stuff I can I can understand and being a DC sports fan, uh, one of mine that I'll talk about is another DC sports team that just habitually let down fans for a while. But I also want to talk about uh, in direct uh, response on Twitter, we got uh, Steve, who you know, obviously he's been a guest. I know him a little bit. Yep. This is one of yours that I'm sure you know you'll talk about more in depth. But he has Ernest Wilford dropping the two point conversion in the end zone against Miami in 2001. Yeah, and the only reason that one's probably not like high on my list is because I like a lot of the ones I was there for uh, ended up being on my list. Not all of them, but like that. I know that one sticks out. That's probably the first one I think of as a tech fan because of 
I mean, it would have been knocking off Miami, number one. That takes Miami out of that national championship versus Ohio State and Maurice Claret and all that game, that epic game they ended up at. Ernest Wilford catches that ball. That game maybe doesn't happen. We we tie that game. We see what happens from there. So, yeah, that, that's a great one. Steve was there uh, sitting, like, front row in that end zone from from what I understand. So uh, that, that had to be a tough one. And then the other response we got was uh, Sid Breen. This is from at Stick. 55 uh sid bream and then he has uh a nickname Ooh. that he gave him uh but buck fan he's a pirate fan and he said and bonds wouldn't take the steps in after fans like told him and uh sid bream obviously he's referring to the 92 nc nlcs where yeah. the pirates were eliminated in game seven by it's gonna be jimmy jimmy leland Braves. as a manager there there's, there's mm-hmm. a lot some good pirates history right there i, I appreciate that um yeah that one I wasn't uh, on the Pirates as hard uh, back in the day there in 92 when I was uh, eight. Uh, but yeah, that, that would be a, that's tough. That's tough to hear. Anytime you lose in a game seven stuff. Oh yeah. As, as you know, Joe. Yeah, we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see, Leland, you go ahead. Okay. So mine, I have a little bit of a list down here. I probably won't read them all. Oh, psych. Uh, just kidding. Let me, let me do the 40 sports <laughs> ones and then you and I will go. I forgot about these. <laughs> forgot about my friends. My bad. Yeah, I forgot I have friends. Um, <laughs> so uh, my brother, Brad, uh, he's a Cowboys fan. So one of the ones he gave was Tony no, Revo fumbling the snap against no. the Seattle Seahawks. No, no, uh, no. He went with one that was interesting. This isn't like a team disappointment. This is like a personal disappointment. Lance Armstrong testing positive for PEDs. Oh, wow. And I have to I agree, that was disappointing because – Given how hard he fought and said, I never took PEDs, I never took PEDs, and he always passed every test. And then he, when he's finally, they finally hit him on a test, and he's like, okay, fine, yeah, I did. That was, just, that was heartbreaking. I'm not saying, like, him winning as an American and the Tour de France and all that, like, I didn't have, like, some pride, but, like, I never felt like I got that far, like, that much behind Lance Armstrong. So that, yeah, that didn't bum me out as much, I guess. Yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, this is one that I have. I mean, uh, I'm pretty fast on a bike, so, you know. Edwin Encarnacion hitting the home run off of Upaldo Jimenez in the AL oh, yeah. wildcard game. Uh, and then to go ahead and just hint at mine, uh, I put no Britain coming in because that was we have Zach Britton, the best closer in baseball, and we don't bring him in. And we leave Upaldo Jimenez, one of the diciest pitchers in baseball at the time, to give up the grand slam. And I, I still, to this day, have not watched the ball land. As soon as the ball was off the bat, I changed the channel because I knew. I was like, that's gone, and I don't need to see it. Ugh. Uh, but, oh. And then my brother also added the O's current financial struggles, which mm-hmm. has been disappointing. Uh, yeah. I mentioned, but any Washington football team can relate to long, terrible front office right. decisions. So. Um, I mentioned Chris. He's also a Lions fan in addition to being Ugh. a D.C. sports fan. So Poor he guy. really hates himself. Um, but he put Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson retiring in their prime rather than play for the Lions. <laughs> so. Barry Sanders, man. I, I loved him when I was a kid. I mean, the Lions weren't my team, but he, you played him on Madden. And he was awesome. I, I I was upset when he retired. So I can imagine being a Lions fan. Man, that, that's bad. Uh, Dave, who does that podcast with me, uh, said Billy Cundiff. Uh, no words needed other than Billy Cundiff. I knew exactly what he was talking about. However, the silver lining to Billy Cundiff is we then got Justin Tucker. 
and we won a Super Bowl the next year. So in retrospect, my disappointment there has dropped off. But in the moment, I was also thinking, no way Billy Cundiff misses this, and then he misses. Uh, but he also said any Cincinnati Reds playoff game since 1990 because they have all been a disaster for a Reds fan. Yeah, so, and some of those wild card games against Pittsburgh, uh, have been against Pittsburgh, which I've really enjoyed. So, uh, And then a, a friend of ours who comes on quite a bit, huge baseball fan, uh, he put the Braves infield fly rule debacle because he is oh, a Braves yeah. fan. Yeah. So that was a disappointing moment for him. And then uh, the Gonzo bloop to win the World Series in 2001 also left him heartbroken. Man. Any more from, from the group? Oh, yeah. Uh, Ryan Hunt. This is well organized. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Hunt uh, mentioning the O's getting swept by the 2014 Royals in the ALCS because he felt like that Orioles team maybe had enough to win the World Series. And honestly, when you look at the roster that we lost to, the Royals, I don't know how we lost. I still don't know how we lost. So I understand that uh, the RG three injury, and then not re-signing Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, I had him on my fantasy baseball team like three years in a row. He was he was always good. I think the I think Orioles would have been a dangerous team in 2015 had we re-signed Nelson Cruz, but we were worried about giving him a three-year deal, and uh, that was again he went to what, Seattle in 2015. No, he went to Minnesota where he's still playing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's still playing and he is uh, still hitting 30 home runs a season. So, yeah, obviously that was a bad idea. So my list, a lot of Virginia Tech, um, obviously. Football-wise, I had the Wilford one on my list, but I already talked about it. We lost two years in a row to Pitt where we were both good and they beat us mostly by the name of Larry Fitzgerald. And then they, I don't know what they did after that, but we fell apart after that. 2002, uh, we were, I think, third in the nation and 8 0. And uh, that was a tough one to watch in person. And then 2003, uh, we just beat Miami the week before. Really, and they were up uh, number two or number three. We upset them at home. And then we go to Pitt like the next week and we're just flying on top of the world at seven and one. We're trying to put together a Big East championship, see where that leads us in the postseason, and we we just go up there and just lose. They just beat us. I've talked about that game on here before. It was so cold up in Pittsburgh. That was a that was my first game day experience too uh, with the uh, college game day there. Um, one that really sticks out: 2004, we opened the season against USC. They would go on to win the national championship that year. Um, that was where Reggie Bush, some some kid named Reggie Bush, started playing really good football. We had this phantom offensive. Oh, yeah, I remember that was unbelievable. They were going away from me. I was in that end zone going away from me. And I saw live that there was no chance that penalty happened. And then after the end, there was no video board in FedEx field at that time because, you know, technology. Why? Why spend money on it? Uh, When I got home and saw that highlight, I probably got more mad then because I was like, I was mad in the moment. I touched the guy. Yeah, I was mad in the moment because I knew in that moment. I was like, that feels like game. That feels like game because we just got screwed. Oh yeah, yeah. And in the stadium, it felt that way too. And 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 in that in that moment, I was plenty mad. But then when like it, I got that mad plus more of like video evidence of what I thought three hours ago before I sat in this terrible traffic getting out of FedEx. What was gonna ha- like what happened? It was true. So that was terrible. And then plus the fact that we went one and one and one from there and went and played Auburn and Sugar Bowl that year, like. 
if we would have won that game, it's it's a different little history there for uh, for the Hokies potential. Yeah. Um, so that that was a year. Uh, I never liked that Matt Ryan game. We lost to them at home. We were sitting in a good. We were like top ten. Um, and we would have been in the Matt national Ryan championship had we not lost that game. Say that one more time. We would have been in the national championship had we not lost that game. Yeah, because then we beat them in the ACC championship. Like we just stubbed our toe at home, which was so disappointing. And the rain that day. You know, sometimes in Blacksburg, like the weather comes and the fans cheer louder. That was one that just rained all day on us. And uh, if we would have won that game, it would have been but losing it just made it that much worse. But the one that sticks with me most from football anymore, like I go back to the most, and we reference it all the time in the podcast, it was the game that was the end of the kind of the era of us being nationally relevant. 2012, we lost that Sugar Bowl when Danny Cole caught the ball. He caught the ball. They just overturned a call for no darn good reason. We should have beat Mission in that game, and we should have had a, I guess that was a BCS a still, uh, victory there. And that, what what does that propel us with recruiting or anything afterwards? I don't know. But that was kind of the last time we were relevant. So that was disappointing. And that one sticks with me. Danny Cole caught that football. The ball moved just a little bit, but within his arms. I don't I don't know what we're doing. Okay. Um, what I brought up when this topic first came up was Duke beating Virginia Tech 2005 in February of that year. Half-court shot from Sean Dockery. Uh, I hate that dude forever because of it. We had him beat. We had Coleman Collins. We had Xavier Dowdell. We had Jamon Gordon. We probably had a young Deron Washington. We had him beat down in Cameron, and they just stole it from half-court. Just drives me nuts. We ended up winning down there, though. Like I think it was the next year. But, man, mm-hmm. that was a heartbreaker. Uh, then, more locally, Riverheads is hard for me to put a heartbreaker on. One, because there haven't been too many heartbreakers for Riverheads in the last 20 years. But before I played varsity football for Riverheads, I guess I was on the JV team, Riverheads played Strasburg. We were 10-0 and on the regular season and just couldn't beat Strasburg in this playoff game. And I just, I think in person, I was, I was just so upset after that. I was like, mad that the band was like even playing music after that game. And it was just the standard like fight song. I was like, are we celebrate? I was just mad at the world, but really, honestly, I don't, there's not too many heartbreakers for Riverhead since then. So it's, it's hard to complain about a game in 1999 when they've had as much success as they had since then. Otherwise my fandoms are bulls in the nineties. They never had a heartbreaker and Steelers. I mean that 95 Super Bowl wasn't my favorite, but like I was younger fan then and we've won some since then that I, I really don't look back at that so i really focus on those virginia tech games most of most of those football games i was at and it just they're hard to swallow hard to swallow yeah no i i hear you out on that uh, mine i'll go over here uh mike musina when he signed with the yankees because it's not only that at that moment i realized the orioles couldn't afford the best players in the league but he goes to the rival of the New York Yankees and that kind of ends the Orioles run there for a while. Um, obviously I was a little young. Uh, Jeffrey Mayer was around that time, um, oh. <laughs> but I hate, that would be a heartbreaker. I oh, hate man. Jeffrey Mayer. Um, uh. <laughs> I mentioned Zach Britton being on the bench and not coming in. Uh, I've got one that just, it's only because I was there and I just remember the deflating feeling because I remember being miserable watching the game in the heat in Charlotte and my brother and I just sitting there being like, well, at least Virginia Tech's going to win. 
Like, that'll make this okay. And then East Carolina blocks a punt in the end zone, gets it, takes a lead. And I look at my brother and we just lost. And the person next to me is sitting there going, we still have a chance. And I'm like, man, there is under two minutes to go and Sean Glennon is coming out on the field. We have no chance. (laughs) Like, this game is over. (laughs) I watched that one on DVR. So that was bad, too. Because I was at a wedding that day. Actually, didn't go there. But my friends were down there. Did you see a guy throwing a trash can in the concourse after that game? Because that was that was one of my buddies. I don't think so. I heard it was quite the scene. I don't remember a trash can being thrown. But that being <laughs> said, I just remember looking at my brother after that game was over, being like, "We just gotta get the hell out of here." <laughs> and traffic is terrible when you leave Charlotte. I mean, it's just miserable. But. Because everybody is going north. Everyone is going north from that game, too. So you've got two fan bases that have been screaming and hollering the whole game because it's a close game all the way to the end. And then they go from four lanes to two lanes in about (sighs) half a mile just for fun. So no one's moving. I just remember that being a just miserable experience all the way through. So thanks a lot, Sean Glennon. Um, (laughs) But... I mean, I've said that phrase just like that many times. Oh, God. And then the Caps. I mean, they finally won a Stanley Cup to make up for it. But losing any number of Game 7s in general, but especially the ones the Penguins, that those were the ones that just sucked. I mean, it got to the point where, like, I kind of knew in the back of my head, like, oh, we're going to lose. I don't like this. It would, it would get to the point where I would honestly feel nauseous the day of the game. Because I hate Pittsburgh that much. And I, I hated Sidney Crosby. <laughs> but it would be this thing of be like, oh, God, it's another Game 7 against these leaps and we're gonna lose like i just know we're gonna lose but the caps would always bring me in they'd be like hey maybe sometimes they'd even have a lead usually it would go into overtime just for maximum pain and let me tell you folks if you have never watched overtime hockey do yourself a favor when the stanley cup playoffs come around you watch overtime hockey especially if it's an elimination game because the only hockey i watch oh my gosh i love it because yeah, it is just you live and die on each shot of the puck. Like I remember those games. I remember those games just sitting there being like every time we would have the puck being like, yes, 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 yes. And every time they would have the puck just basically trying not to bite my fingers off. Hmm. Uh, it was yeah. nerve wracking. Well, plenty of bad sports memories. I, I appreciate that we had this negative topic that Joe inspired on a week that Virginia Tech had a pretty good weekend in sports. Um, yeah. Beating, beating the Hoos in basketball and kind of rebounding from losing Radford uh, for his punishments and, and stuff like that. So I, it was a good time to have it. I'm glad we snuck it in there when I was positive otherwise about my sports. But uh, so what quickly before we get out of here uh, is dominating your life? Oh, I want you to do the dominating your life and I'll do what I know that you need to know. Okay, Since we're so dominating my life is uh, I've recently uh, Shit's Creek, uh, and I didn't just curse, Mom. Bleep. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shit's Creek is a show on Netflix, um, and I never was into it when it was on new, but they won so many Emmys last September. And then I actually, after one of the podcasts these last couple weeks, I uh, go to go to bed, and my wife's out there watching it, and uh, she's watching the first episode, and we kind of just started watching it. Since. It's light enough that it, it kind of works. Uh, I think that's what we want anymore is just something that'll make us laugh. And it's ridiculous. That show, like just the, the situation, the premise of the show is just, a you're putting, you know, square pegs into a round hole and it, it's just, it's funny to watch. And the characters are, are pretty, pretty well developed and 
of course, well acted. So um, it's been enjoyable. It's not my favorite show of all time by any means or anything, but if you've been kind of waiting to see if you're interested in watching that, I, I no reason not to. It, it's it's a fun watch and kind of a breeze. There are half hour episodes or twenty some minutes or whatever, and okay. it's pretty good, worth watching. Uh, if they're only twenty minutes, maybe I'll give it a look. See then. I've been kind of hesitant just because everyone keeps saying how good it is. And I'm like, I don't know, but and it's not, you're not like, don't go into it trying to compare it to the office or something, but like, sure. It's, good. it's different. And like the, the reason I think it hits is because it's not just the same old stuff you've seen. Like you're, you're putting these situations where things are very different. Uh, so you just develop a lot of jokes from, from things you haven't seen before, which I appreciate. That's interesting. Um, I'll, I'll have to give it a look. See, I know I watched, for my laughs this weekend, because uh, I needed some, I, I watched The Big Lebowski for, I don't know, the one. I watched time. that this weekend. I watched it for the 100th time, yeah. God, I love that movie. <laughs> I'm I'm well under 100, but uh, it had been a while since I really sat and watched it. I actually stayed up late watching it one night, and uh, it was good. It is magical. It is magical. Yeah, don't watch that, Mrs. McRae. Um, but for what you know, or what I know that you need to know. Mrs. Pam. <laughs> Miss Pam. <laughs> no more Pro Bowls. I don't want any more Pro Bowls. Don't play them. Don't ever play them. Don't play them virtually. Don't play them in real life. Don't play them, period. Just give me that quarterback skills competition because old videos of those old quarterback skills competitions have been making their way onto Twitter and social media, and I've been watching them, and I have loved those. Give me those back. Those were fun. Yeah, have them mic'd up. I... Have them mic'd up and do that stuff. Like that's fun. I don't the Pro Bowl. If they never played another Pro Bowl, I would be okay. I'd be fine. You take in like the reason they think that golf thing with Tiger and Charles Barkley and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady on the court at the same time on the course at the same time is the mic'd up version of it, so they can talk a little trash and compete. If you do that in the Pro Bowl, like I mean, you're selling these guys, you know, personalities while you're doing it, and and. I mean, I'm not, I mean, there's probably going to be a lot of good nature ribbon between each other, but like maybe even it gets a little hotter, all the better. Yeah. So, yeah, like I, and you I know agree. What? I don't need it to just be the best quarterbacks. Invite all the quarterbacks that don't make it to the Super Bowl. Get and then, out there. and then happens. invite two backups for fun. <laughs> yeah. Invite two backups. Throw Nathan Peterman in there just for fun because I just want to see it. I want to feel like I too could be an NFL quarterback. So Fine, throw Nathan Peterman out there. Put him out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just because uh, the one I watched was Carson Palmer uh, tripping over the dummies uh, during one of the drills. Uh, he's running this obstacle course. And then the last part is you s- step over these dummies, three of them. And he tries to step over two for the last one and he trips and he like rolls on the ground and then throws the ball, which isn't anywhere near the target then. But um, I love that. And then. So you're like, oh, yeah, Carson Palmer. I do remember him being good. But you know who I did remember being good in the NFL? Joey Harrington. And he was at that skills competition. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. When was he ever that good, though, in the NFL? I mean, he was a good college player. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can't. When I saw he was at the QB skills competition, I was like, wow, how did he get there? But that's cool. Let's have all of them. He was on a cover of NCAA. So I just, yeah, I, I. I've had so much fun watching those videos, and I do, I've never watched a highlight of the Pro Bowl. Even Sean Taylor killing that poor punter. I have never <laughs> watched a video during the actual Pro Bowl game and been like, oh, yeah, that was cool. I loved that. No. Yeah. And to be honest, yeah, I am one of the unpopular people. I mean, I opinion, I, I don't need the MLB All-Star game. 
Give me a skills competition for that. Uh, I don't mind MLB All Star Game. I don't. It's not like All-Star I like, live for it. The, but I the players don't care about it anymore, so why should I? Just give me the skills competition. Make it fun. Mic them up. Make it fun. I like a lot of the stuff that goes around the All Star Game. Like you always have like some pregame ceremony with some like Hall of Famers and guys coming out there. I like that. It sets up for those opportunities. I like that. Yeah, I, I don't. The game doesn't bother me. It's not like anybody's going to get hurt, so it, it just doesn't bother me. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. We'll get on to next week when it comes. But in the meantime, if you people want to follow us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter or Facebook, you can. You can also catch up with us with what is some of your bad memories as fans, heartbreaking moments, and uh, we'll try to interact with you on there. Or if we get enough of them, maybe we'll hit it again next week. Uh, yaksportspod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Make sure you tell your friends what we're doing here, covering high school sports. We're going to have a lot more high school sports. I know we're getting into football season coming up, and I know uh, a lot of people are always interested in that, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Podbean, Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, Don't want to miss any special episodes we drop or any special segments that uh, might happen there, so just heads up there. And then tell your friends, make sure they're listening, and we'll be back next week with more Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.